You're listening to Coldo D. Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Our services are every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. For more information, like us on Facebook or visit our website at coldod.org. You're listening to Coldo D. Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Our services are every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. For more information, like us on Facebook or visit our website at coldod.org. If you have a Bible, you might turn it to Leviticus 6 and maybe Matthew 26, I think it is as well. But um, I know, uh, how many are baseball fans here? I mean, very few, no one, yeah, oh, several baseball fans here, all right, it's good baseball fans, and Bruce is a baseball fan, he wrote this song for, um, but for, pa- for Passover, so it goes, uh, take me out to the Seder, take me out with the crowd, feed me on matzah and chicken legs, I don't care for the hard-boiled eggs and its root, root, root for, the, for Elijah, that he will soon reappear. And let's hope, hope, hope that we'll meet once again next year. Second verse. Take me out to the Seder. Take me out with the crowd. Read the Haggadah and don't skip a word. Please hold your talking. We want to be heard. Then let's root, root, root for the leader that he will finish his spiel. So we can nosh, 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 and by gosh, let's eat the meal. There you go. <laughs> Bruce, good job. <laughs> so we are going to talk about a little about Passover uh, and, some, and just a little bit of, for information and preparation uh, as it starts tonight. And then we're going to talk about that fire on the altar. So, um, you know, so, but I thought, let's do a little quiz first. You ready for a quiz? How about a Passover quiz? Uh, some of these are a little tough, and uh, so I don't know. Let's see if we. But what did the ancient Hebrews do with the leftovers of the Passover lamb? Thank you, Reuben and Stevie. Got it. Yes, there weren't any. According to tradition, it was forbidden to have left- leftovers. The entire lamb had to be eaten. People organized themselves into groups to ensure that there were enough people to finish the animal. Okay. Now, I wouldn't have known that, but they, they study, he studied a lot. Um, another one. Here we go. Which item on the Seder plate was introduced first? This is a Seder plate. This is one of the largest Seder plates. Actually, actually Reverend Beverly, if she would come up and sort of help me as I show these items. Thank you, Reverend Beverly. This is a... Uh, these are the items on the Seder plate. And uh, as you can see, the, the Zoroa, the shank bone of the lamb, which I do have one here. Uh, and let's see. So Zoroa, then these the karpas, which is the parsley, and there's the haroset, the, uh, you know, let's say the bitter herb, you know, which we use for the bitter herbs, the bitterness of slavery. Anyway, the egg. So, and this is a, a really large Seder plate, as you can see. Couldn't find it. I had to dig, dig in our house to find it this week. I'll tell you, we, we need to get rid of stuff. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but this is beautiful, isn't it? So these are the items. So the, the Seder plate guides us through this, the Seder. But uh, the question is, which item on the Seder plate was introduced first, the roasted egg or 
the carpas or the parsley. Which came? Right, the carpas was introduced in the first century before the destruction of the temple. The egg was introduced after the destruction of the temple to commemorate it. Interesting. So just an interesting fact of information. And, of course, uh, by the way, we just threw it. I just threw it. I saw it from another wonderful Facebook group. I think it's called Messianic Jews United or, or something like that. Deborah Pardo Kaplan, I think, runs it. Anyway, a little 10-minute thing by Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum on the Passover. So I threw it on our Facebook last night. So it is there. You give you 10 minutes, which explains a little about Passover and why, how Messianic believers, we understand it the traditionally, the historic parts versus the rabbinic parts, things that were added later, and how it's a combination, really. So anyway, but it's really good little 10-minute listen. So that's there for you. All right, third, last, last one. In one ancient custom to commemorate the way the Hebrews left Egypt, the leader and Seder participants passed the afikomen around, all right? Uh, now, they passed it around. This is the afikomen would be in this. If, it's, it's in plastic, this one, but this is, uh, holds uh, three pieces of matzah. It's, the, it's a matzotash, and the, the afikomen is the matzah that's in the in the middle, of course, uh, the middle one is the afikomen, and there's a lot of tradition about that. But anyway, so in one ancient custom to, uh, to commemorate the way they left Egypt, we left Egypt, the leader and the participants passed the afikomen around, and here it is, there's A, B, A, B, C, D. A, with their, did they pass it with their hands behind their backs? B, from mouth to mouth, no, because it was COVID, so it couldn't. <laughs> um, C, under the table. D, on their shoulders. Anyone know the answer? Yes, on their shoulders. Actually, on their shoulders to commemorate the exodus from Egypt. Quoting Exodus twelve thirty four with their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Isn't it interesting, huh? So maybe you want to try that this year with the, the afikomen. Pass it around on your shoulders. Thanks. Let's see. We're not finished. We're not finished. Thank you for your help. help. All right. All right. So let's talk a little about Passover, which begins, as I said, tonight, and then about the burning fires of the elevation, the olah, the elevation offering, burnt offering, in this week. So why is Passover important to us? And let's pray. Father, open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Father, thank you for your word and speak to us today through it. Continue to B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. All right, so why is Passover important to us? As Jews, as Jewish believers, and as non-Jewish believers, why is it important? Whether you're not from a Jewish background is important, but you're a believer in Yeshua or Jesus. Why is it important? As Jews, because it's our heritage since the first Passover Seder, the original Seder, not with all the details that are done today, of course, was in Egypt 
some 3,300 years ago. For Jewish believers, it's important. Why? Because we are still MOB, as they say, <laughs> members of the tribe, right? Uh, a part of our Jewish people and should continue to observe it. It is the family event of the year. Plus, as Messianic Jews, Yeshua, Jesus, observed it with his Jewish disciples nearly 2,000 years ago and gave brand new meaning, enhanced meaning to the holiday. Right? For if you're not from a Jewish background, but you're a believer in Yeshua, believer in Jesus, for non-Jewish believers, why is it important? Number one, Jesus observed this holiday annually, every year, not just, not just the Last Supper, every year, but also in his last earthly night just prior to his execution and sacrifice. And two, because, listen, Israel's history is your history too. You are, as to quote Ephesians, no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, part of the commonwealth of Israel and the covenants, covenant of promise. That's Ephesians 2.12 and 2.19. In other words, your history doesn't begin with the birth of Jesus, but it goes back to the Exodus and back to Abraham. Many Christians have no notion whatsoever about what Passover is, and it's sad. I know uh, I, I was with a group playing pickleball yesterday morning, and I mentioned, I said, Happy Passover. We were playing outside. It was a beautiful day. I said, so I said, I want you to know how Passover begins. I happy Passover. They're like looking like, what is Passover, you know? What's this? How sad. And many of them are, most of them, I would say, are, uh, God only knows, believers, you know, are, do believe in Jesus. I know they, I know they, have great, they pray, for, pray for us in different situations and prayer. So I wish that Christians would understand how important this is. Now we use a Seder plate, which we've already shown you, and Seder, Seder, if you're, you know, Israeli, Seder, spoke Americanized, you know, Seder plate. It really means Seder is order with all the symbolic items. And then we use a Haggadah, all right? You got to have a Haggadah for Passover, I say. That's what I like to say. Here's a Haggadah. This is, this is actually my, uh, was my grandfather's? Now I'm forgetting. My grandfather's, or I think was my grandfather's Haggadah. And it's a beautiful one from Israel and, and, uh, but here is the world's smallest Haggadah, a mini Haggadah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we can, this is, we'll be careful. Let's turn a few pages for, see what we can see, so you get an idea. Say all the items, this is Hebrews. Actually, this one actually has English in the, on the uh, commentary sides of it, but a beautiful Haggadah. All right? Haggadah is the telling. It's the, the retelling of the story. And uh, so, thank you, man. <clears throat> so we, we, we use a Haggadah, and it's guiding us through the service. It, it guides us through the service, retelling that story. The first independent printed Haggadah was issued, and get, guess what year? Well, how can you guess what? It's like 
All right, 1482. No one knew that? (laughs) 1482. But guess where it was issued? In what Europe? I'll give you a clue. European country. Spain. Excellent. Spain, yes. Excellent. First one was issued in Spain. The printed. Uh, Truth be told, both Seder ritual and Haggadah are first mentioned in the Midrash and uh, Tosefta, uh, Pesha, let's see, Pesahim, chapter 10, which scholars date to either shortly before or shortly after the destruction of the Second Temple, 70 CE or AD, however you want to do it, AD 70 or 70 CE. So that's when uh, they date. They are missing from, listen, the Haggadahs are missing from, uh, this is both Seder ritual and Haggadah, are missing from the second temple period descriptions of Passover, including a papyrus from Elephantine in 419 BCE, including the book, also the book of Jubilees, late second century BCE, Philo, 20 BCE, uh, somewhere between 20 BCE and 50 CE, and even Josephus, no mention of these. So a lot of these traditions that we practice as uh, growing up as Jews and practice today and as believers, and uh, when we're practicing a Seder, observing a Seder, came later. And we're not sure which traditions, some, which, when they came, but they were introduced. So they're not all biblical, but many are rabbinic. Doesn't mean they're bad. They, they, we, we love them. But just it's important to know uh, that, you know, the original Seder had, of course, the eat, eat matzah, eat unleavened bread, the lamb, and what else? Bitter herbs. Excellent. The maror, the bitter herbs which is to, to, of the suffering and remind us of the suffering. Excellent. So <clears throat> we also use uh, matzah, and uh, this is matzah, and, and uh, this is two fifty at $2.50 at Trader Joe's. <laughs> and uh, so I get a commission on that there every, since I mentioned that. <laughs> It really is. So if you need some matzah, I'm sure if it's stolen the stock. Thank you so much for your help. So persisting me. Thank you, Reverend Beverly. So uh, these, are the, these are some of the items. There's, of course, the Kiddush cup. There's four cups we use, we do, and that tradition came later. And very important in the, in the uh, Passover of Yeshua, the Last Supper, the Passover that he, he had, and the third cup, and when that comes in, uh, it's very, very important. So uh, a five-year-old daughter was very excited when she greeted her mom coming home from, from Jewish day school, and she said, Ima, mom, Ima, guess what we made today in school for Pesach, for Passover? What, sweetheart, her mother asked. She said, we made unleaded bread. She thought the unleavened was, you know, unleavened. Got it a little wrong. Unleavened bread. All right, but she's unleaded. And <clears throat> so we actually, we have decided here at Cold OD, we made this decision this week, that instead of having next week is uh, Easter also, or resurrection that many celebrate on, the, uh, on this calendar, Gregorian, I guess, calendar. 
instead of having an Easter egg hunt, because we've never done that and we don't really do that kind of stuff, we're going to have a matzo ball hunt. So we get, <laughs> it might be a little messy, but we decided we we're going to institute that since we're as a new custom here. <laughs> not, not really, not really, okay, don't say it. All right, Yeshua's last Passover, Matthew 26, look at Matthew 26, uh, and we're just going to look at a few verses there, verse 17 through 19, but it really wasn't his last Passover, was it? Because he said, I'm not going to do this again with you until... I do it with you in the kingdom. And I'm not sure what that means. If that means the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation uh, 19.9, I just told Reuben before service, and I wanted to get a chance to talk to you about that because I know he studies a lot. And so, but, the, but until the kingdom, that's when the, 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 uh, the last, the, it will be celebrated again. But he said, this, is, this was an important one. He says, on the first day of matzah, because remember the, Matzah was for, was for seven days, eating only unleavened bread. On the first day of matzah, the disciples came to Yeshua saying, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my time is near. At your house, I am to keep the Passover with my disciples and it goes on to say that the disciples did as Yeshua ordered them, and they prepared the Passover. So all the preparation, all, so much goes into preparing, uh, including, of course, the removal of the leaven, the bidakat chametz, which we'll mention in a moment. And, uh, and then also Luke 22 is perhaps even a stronger passage on, you know, going into even more detail on that that this when when Yeshua when Jesus did this Passover with his disciples Luke 22 verse 1 now the 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 feast of matzah which is called Passover was approaching uh, and then it mentions down in seven we'll go down to seven then came the day of matzah when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed all right now the 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 well, it says, Now Yeshua sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, so we may eat. And they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And that's when he guides them to go down to verse 11. Uh, it says, um, Verse 11, the teacher says to you, Where do you, where the, the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Where is it? And uh, he'll show you a large upper room, furnished, make preparations there. So they left uh, and found just what Yeshua had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Now, again, again, I can't mention now, this wasn't the first time he did this. He did this every year, but this was going to be a very special one, special one. But, but they did the Passover every year. When the hour came, Yeshua reclined at the table, um, and, his, and the apostles, the emissaries, his disciples with him, and he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will never eat it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and offered the bracha, 
well, I'm gonna, we won't go into that. We'll stop there. So this was a very important. Now, how did they prepare for the Passover? Look at 1 Corinthians 5. Interesting. Exodus 12 tells us about the removal of the leaven and that all the, uh, that which causes the bread to rise, all the, uh, whether it's yeast or it would cause the, or it may be, not be exactly yeast, but it caused the bread to rise, anything, it had to be removed. And Paul, when Paul mentions this in 1 Corinthians 5, he's referring to this custom. It was understood. They all understood it. So the believers he was writing to, writing to probably had a good understanding of the Passover. He says in verse 6, your boasting is no good, 1 Corinthians 5, 6. Don't you know that a little chametz leavens, that's chametz is removed, the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old chametz so you may be a new batch just as you are, I love that, just as you are unleavened. For Messiah, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with the old chametz, the chametz, again, again, or leaven, of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread, the matzah of sincerity and truth. I love that when he says, that he says, as you are unleavened. That's how God sees us, unleavened, through the blood of the Messiah, through his sacrifice. God says, that's who you really are. And so the custom of bedekat chametz, searching for, you search for, and the removal of the leaven, uh, have a, a bunch of slides. Those slides did come through, right? There we are. There you go. Thanks. Okay, I see. My, well, I haven't been looking. Yeah, so there it is. The searching for the chametz. I got a few of them there. Uh, and, you know, there's customs of using a feather to get the last bits and a candle, searching for it. And uh, I don't know if you can see that one. It's kind of cute. That was cute. The, yeah, everyone's, you know, a victim today, and it's all, everything's, you know, <laughs> everything. So stop the persecution. The Hamas, Hamas have feelings too. Goodness, like, <laughs> that's cute. All right, so, um, <clears throat> but, and uh, so this, this, this bread, and oh, interesting. I remember finding a book once on bread, and I was reading it, and bread was actually first made in, guess where? Egypt. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. This was not a spiritual book. It was first made in Egypt. So to say no to bread was really like say, to say no to Egypt. You know, we're leaving Egypt. We've left. In Israel, there's nothing like going to the supermarkets during this time of year and this past week. And uh, well, maybe not this past week, but yeah, going through the supermarkets, but starting with Passover. And any, any, the aisles, any aisles with items with leaven uh, are covered in plastic. So it's like putting temptation out of the way, you know, that's covered. So you can't even get to these, any items like that. It's really, I remember that, loving that experience living in Israel. So get rid of that in, your, in our, your life and my life. Let's get rid of that which causes pride because leaven makes the dough rise. It's a picture of pride. It, uh, and anything that makes me think I'm better than others. Let's get rid of that. 
Get rid of phoniness and pretense. Yeshua talked about the leaven of the Pharisees and the, and the idea of hypocrisy. Start eating. Let's start eating humility and sincerity and truth, like he says here in 1 Corinthians 5. Get rid of the, that which is not real, not authentic. Um, I, did, I still don't understand when someone says, God bless your heart and what they mean by that. Okay, well, anyway, um, so <laughs> get rid of everything that is not real, not authentic and genuine and saying what we... What, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that one probably, right? All right, someone just shut me, shut it off right now. All right, let's cleanse ourselves, all right? Listen, the world's emphasis is on the outward, over the inward, right? The outward over the inward. But uh, Yeshua put the emphasis on the heart, on the inward. He, we noticed all that in his words. He put it back on what's real, what's inside, not what's outside. That's, let's cleanse ourselves from any temptation to be deceptive or fake, superficial or hip, hypocritical, but live genuinely and authentically before God and man. Am I jealous of someone else? Uh, why are they doing well? And they're being blessed, but I'm not. Do you have that feeling in your heart? Wow, well, I wish they had problems like I'm having. Get rid of that. That's leaven. That's hummets. Get rid of it. I should want the best for them. Even if I'm not having the best is for me right now. I want the best because that's God's heart. Uh, and do, we're not to conform to this world, Romans 12, 2, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds because of God's awesome plan to show mercy to those who were disobedient. That's the context of Romans 12. Romans 11, he's showing mercy to the disobedient in the midst of everything and finding a way of bringing them back to him. And he says, so don't be, trans don't be trans conformed to the world, but, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. We should be we should present our bodies, he says, as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to him. We don't need to go to spring break parties. Why do I have that in here? All right. We don't need to go to spring break parties, really. Uh, we don't have to be like, get drunk, like just because someone else does and, belong, you know, and, and do what someone else does. We, you belong to the living God, you, right? You're different. You're holy. God set you apart. And so we follow a different, a different uh, leader, and you belong to him, and I belong to him, and he has an eternal purpose for your life. You are unleavened in God's eyes, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, as it says. So live as who you really are before God, all right? Now, the elevation offering, I'm just going to spend the last few minutes on this. In Leviticus 6, in it with the portion where uh, Suzanne read earlier, 6, the, this hola, let's say hola. That sounds like we're speaking Espanol, right? Hola. The, well, it's the same, same word. Hola, but in Hebrew, hola is the elevation offering. And it was the first sacrifice in the inauguration of Aaron and his sons assuming the priesthood and beginning 
their careers, really, as koanim, as priests. Moses is delegating. It's time for him to turn that for them. And it's difficult, as we read of all these sacrifices in Leviticus 6, you read of all the, 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 the meat, the blood, the, all the... All, it's hard for us to really grasp it as, as 20, you know, uh, you know, as 21st century people or whatever, um, to visualize. Uh, we read, because we don't have a temple. There's no Beit HaMikdash. We're not seeing these things act, uh, take, you know, acting out. Now, reading about them here sounds like the modern mind, to the modern mind, it sounds barbaric and cruel. And it, as well as gruesome and needless. But they were sacrifices to God, and there will be sacrifices again when the third temple is built, the Beit HaMikdash. There will be, it will be, they will be reinstituted. How, whether all of them will, that's another issue. But they were burnt offerings, olab, meaning to rise up. So it means to rise up. Uh, and there was one in the afternoon or the you know, afternoon evening time and one in the morning. And the rabbis believed there were three fires actually going, three, all three, three fires. And so he says to command Aaron and his sons in verse 2, 6-2 of Leviticus, that they ought to do the, uh, says, uh, says all night until the morning. I'm just skipping around here. All night till the morning will the fire on the altar is kept burning on it. In verses 3 and 4, they were to remove the fat ashes, the ashes from the fire that consumed the offering, the burnt offering. So as the ashes would be built up, they'd remove it so the fire would, wouldn't, so it wouldn't interfere with the fire. The wood on the fire would keep burning and put them besides the altar. And then he says is to take off his garments. The priest would take off the garments and put on other ones to carry the ashes outside the camp. So get rid of the ashes. Get rid of the ashes. Uh, you know, there's no menial job, you know. And the priests were doing it too, by the way. That's their, their, their responsibility. There's no menial job in ministry. You know, you say, well, I'm just putting away things. I'm helping put away things before, ser- or set up things, or put things. That's not menial to God. That's very important. Uh, and the ashes that just so it's, it's a, it really teaches us it's not like you know someone says that's just like taking out the garbage the ashes it was an important part of 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 the keeping the fire burning the fires burning and um, they may be the, the menial jobs may be the most noble sometimes in the eyes of the Lord and in order to go forward we need to clean out the ashes we need a fresh start also. It teaches us this. Well, the fires to be kept burning, it says, it must not go out. It must not go out. Each morning, verses 5 and 6, put wood on it. Fires to be kept burning on the altar continually, verse 6 says, it must not go out. Uh, During the day as well as the night, even on the Sabbath, even on the Shabbat or the Sabbath, the fuel was to be placed on the altar by means of two daily burnt offerings Perpetual fire was kept burning on the altar. Now, the tradition, according to one rabbinic source, 116 years Moses' altar burned. 39 years in the wilderness, 14 in Gilgal, 13 in Nob, 50 in Gibeon. But let's ask ourselves, has our fire gone out? Let's ask ourselves that question. Has my fire almost gone out? 
maybe not gone out, but has it gotten, has it gotten almost gone out? 2 Timothy 1.6 says, For this reason I remind you fan, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan it back into a flame. Get it burning again. Uh, and, and Paul says, I, he, he, he's talking to Timothy. He says, I remember, and ver- back, go back a couple of verses. Verse 4, he says, I remember your tears. 2 Timothy 1, 4. I, your tears. I remember how much you went through and the, and the tears you shed, whether they, whatever they were over. He says, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. He says, I love you. I miss you. I, live, I miss you, and sometimes it takes someone loving us and missing us and, and reminding us of, to, to bring, help bring that fire back. Uh, I recall the genuine faithfulness within you, he says in verse 5. I know what's in you. I know who you really are, Timothy. I know it. So I know it. You're, the fire's gone down. But listen, I know you're, who you really are. You love the Lord. You're called by God. Um, yeah, and you're faithful. I know he, verse 5, he says it was first in his grandmother and then in his mother. And he says, and I'm sure it's within you as well. He says, in other words, you have much prayer behind you and a heritage behind you, Timothy. So because of these things, I want you to fan into a flame. So think about that. We don't want our fire, Lord. Pray it now, Lord, my fire maybe is starting to get, feels like it's, going, it's been going out. Lord God, my fire, my desire to see other people come to know you, my desire to, to build up, to sacrifice for you, to, Lord, fan it into, Lord, I'm, I want to fan it into a flame. And then I want you to think about one other way of looking at this. The fire won't go out. It doesn't go out. God doesn't let it go out. It was a miracle that the fires never did go out. God kept the fires burning despite the elements of rain and human deficiency. Philippians 1.6, Paul says, I'm sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to, on to completion until the day of the Messiah issue. Isn't that good to know? God says, I promised, I promised you, I, I believe, I know the good work that started, it will be finished. I'm confident of it, Paul, God is saying through Paul to uh, the Philippian believers. Uh, Jeremiah said, you know, I, 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 I'm, he got sick, of, tired of everything. He got fed up with everything. He was ready to quit. He says, but if I say I won't mention or speak any more of his name, he says, that's what I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk. That's it. He says, I'm not, I've, I'm finished with this stuff. Uh, with God, I've had it. He says, it was like a fire burning in my heart. Shut up in my bones. I weary myself holding it in. But it's like, he says, I can't help it. I can't stop. <laughs> Sorry. All right, that's mine. That's my doing. All right, that's, by the way, in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. And when Yeshua says, I can't help it, I got to keep talking about him. In Luke 24, 32, they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us when he was speaking to us with us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us. When God speaks to, let God speak to your heart and it will keep that flame, it will ignite that flame when he speaks to us. I can imagine, imagine how that.
And so, Father, we thank you for this season, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you, Lord, that the fire, you won't let it go out because you've promised that this is love, not that we've loved you first, but you've loved us first. And you have begun that good work in us. And you're going to take us through the trials of our faith in 1 Peter 1, 7. More precious than gold that perishes, Lord, though refined by fire, Lord. You're going to bring us through. But Lord, we, and Lord, we make a decision. We're asking you, we want to fan that flame back, um, Lord, so that we can be on, be the, keep the fire burning for you. Thank you for this Passover season that we are in. We pray it would be meaningful for every one of us as believers, as children of you, every one of us, that it would be great meaning, Lord, for our families, if we, if we have family here, and if we're, if we're alone, it would still be meaning because we have the, the family of God, the family of Elohim. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We pray it would be blessing for our individual families and the family of God. And together, Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of Yeshua, the Lamb of God, during this time for all that you've done for us. If you've never trusted the Lord, make that you know, decision now. Give yourself to him. And, and uh, let us know if you're, if you're trusting Yeshua today, putting your faith in God's Messiah. <laughs> Sar Shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.